I feel like I need to start with the words that this sermon is not a go-and-do-likewise sermon, or at least the illustration is not. Because I want to tell you about the first time that I babysat for money. That when I was a kid, I had younger cousins, often kept an eye on them, and sometimes I would help someone else with babysitting. But the first time I soloed, I was probably about 11 years old. And one of the things that I had learned, and this is one of those don't and do likewise lessons, is that adults did not want to hear a kid say, I don't know. That if an adult said, do you know how to? I learned to say, yes, regardless of what it was. So I was invited to babysit one of our uh, neighbor's kids, a, a nice little boy. I was again about 11, he was probably about five or six. And I didn't know this family terribly well, they were nice, we would you know, say hi to each other in the front yard sort of thing, but I'd never even been in their house. So when it was time for the babysitting day, I got a little house tour, this was during the day, and explained what the swing set, what he was allowed to do on it, what he was not, and I was also told that he loved bacon sandwiches for lunch. And so the adult, his mom said, you know how to make bacon sandwiches, right? And I said, yes. No idea. <laughs> well, some idea. I knew there was bacon and bread. Nothing beyond that. So we had a wonderful morning. We played. I remember actually playing with little cars and Legos and did some stuff outside, and then he said he was hungry. So I went into the kitchen, and the, his mom had pulled out a big frying pan, put it on the stove, and had said, here's the frying pan for the bacon, and it pointed into the fridge where the bacon was. And I thought about all the different black and white situation comedies I had seen that included bacon. Those were my cooking shows. <laughs> so how did the Leave it to Beaver family make bacon? How did the Father Knows Best family make bacon? And so I knew you turned the heat on under the frying pan and you put bacon in. Did it. Very little happened. The bacon sort of got warm. <laughs> but I wasn't aware of that key temperature point where it would actually cook. So I did the trial and error thing. And fortunately, I had in the past cooked my own eggs. That was something my parents taught me to do. So I was familiar with how to use the stove safely. But I turned the heat up a little bit. Didn't work. Turned it up a lot. Too much. <laughs> Started making a complete mess of this kitchen in terms of spackling grease. And of course, the other thing going on is me trying to maintain credibility with this little boy. Because the other thing that's true of kids, in addition to not wanting to say I don't know to adults, is little kids can very quickly spot panic in whoever's <laughs> taking care of them. So I knew I had to keep a sense of calm and purposefulness with this little guy, otherwise the afternoon was going to be absolutely horrendous. So trial and error, finally, finally, I got the bacon cooked. I knew it wasn't crispy. I knew it wasn't necessarily even appetizing, 
but it was hot and it was kind of chewy. But this was back in the days of Wonder Bread. And so it was basically the consistency of Wonder Bread after you took one bite of it. So to me, it just all worked together. And I know that that nice little kid did not discover, did not develop any stomach problems. So I consider that a success. <laughs> I successfully made my first bacon sandwich for it. Now, as the afternoon unfolded, we now had to, to move on to new activities. And I was thinking, okay, I had a big sense of relief that I got through the lunch thing. And I remembered the guidelines that my sister, who was older than I, gave me about babysitting. Because she had been doing it for a number of years by that point. So there are two things you have to remember, and really just two things. I said, okay, what are they? She said, one, don't let the kid get hurt. If the kid gets hurt, you're in trouble. Two, don't break too many things. So if you break a few things, they'll blame the kid. But if, you, if too many things are broken, it becomes your fault. So the sweet little guy wanted to climb to the top of his swing set. I think that's okay. Get hurt, I had to put my foot down. He wanted to kick a ball in the backyard. I thought, well, if one window gets broken, we can manage this. So we got to kick the ball. And that's how the rest of the afternoon unfolded. This risk assessment constantly going on of, will it get hurt, will it get broken? Back and forth, back and forth. And I have to admit, by the time about 4 o'clock came along, my day was coming to an end babysitting, I was absolutely exhausted. I never had to think so much on my feet for such an extended period of time ever in my life. But the mom came home, the kid wasn't hurt, not too much was broken, Most, one little toy had a little piece knocked off, and so it was a success. I have a feeling that there was a complaint about my lunch preparation because never again was I invited to babysit over a mealtime. <laughs> But otherwise, my credibility was good. Now, this may sound odd, but babysitting and being a Christian is very, very similar. Because we are not in charge. We are caretakers of the people around us. We are caretakers of creation. We are caretakers of parishes. They don't belong to us. We didn't make them. Of course, the maker is God. And so we can apply my sister's guidelines of make sure no one gets hurt and don't break too much. Sometimes in church, in church life, some things have to be broken so that we can try new things. And so we have to have a certain tolerance for trial and error, of breakage and repair. But what's much more important is no one gets hurt. Because all too often in history, and it continues through to this day, people who encounter churches, people who encounter Christians, get damaged. Because we are not careful. We as Christians are not careful about how we encounter people and how we share the good news of God in Christ. In this morning's Gospel reading, this is the introduction in the Gospel of John, to who Jesus is. This is one of the opening verses. And 
the gospel very carefully sets this pattern of how we are to share the good news. That John the Baptist points towards Jesus and says, this is what I saw. This is what I experienced. And therefore, out of that pointing, Andrew and an unnamed person who was a follower of John the Baptist before starts to follow Jesus. And then, probably the next day, Andrew goes to his brother, Simon Peter, and talks about how he had experienced Jesus. Nowhere in there does John the Baptist do his fire and brimstone thing. Nowhere in there does Andrew say, as a brother might to a brother, Simon, I know you're a jerk. Here's a way you can get better. (laughs) Instead, Andrew just says, this is what I experienced. I think I have found the Messiah. And that's a very broad, general model of how we are called to interact with the rest of creation, to share in appropriate ways what we have experienced and not worry about what the response is. And don't judge another person to say, boy, they really need church, or they really need God. But instead, to have a fairly constant openness to the people around us, a vulnerability to who we are and how we've experienced God. Because, and this is crucial, everyone has been hurt. Not necessarily by the church, but all too often. Everyone walks through life I think after the age of maybe three years old, with wounds and scars and damage. So if someone is a little hard to get along with, there's probably a good reason. If someone seems a little touchy, there's probably a good reason. We are called to love and accept people as they are, not wait for them to get perfect, not wait for them to get better, but love them as they are because that's how God is. God doesn't wait for us to get it right. God doesn't wait for us to make, it, make ourselves worthy. Instead, what happens is God does that for us. And with any luck at all, we realize it. We don't have to find God. God's not lost. Instead, we just have to open our eyes. That's the theme throughout the Gospel of John, is opening eyes and seeing the light. It's not a taking a long journey and finding Jesus. It's just opening your eyes and see who's in front of you. And it's God loving us deeply from the moment of our creation for all eternity. That is our mindset we are called to carry through our lives, through our ministries, through our walk through a a simple day to know that everyone around us is a beloved child of God, including ourselves. That everyone around us is damaged, including ourselves. That everyone around us at times needs to be reminded that they are precious, that they are beloved, that they are a gift to the world by God, including ourselves. If we can do that, even just half the time, the world can change tremendously. If we can look with eyes of compassion and forgiveness, with hope and a sense of blessedness, it will transform who we are and transform the people we see. Because God wants us to live out the reality that we all too often deny, that we are all precious, we are all beloved, 
We are all blessed. And we are called to live that out each day. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.